Transmitter device activated. Coordinates set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, where we chronicle the origins and development of the DC multiverse and the legacy of Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and Bronze Age of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. Yes, and it's legacy we're looking at today, folks. Actually, in particular, the legacy of one character, possibly the king of legacy, given how many iterations of this character there's been. And that is, of course, Starman. So who was the original Starman, David? Well, Pete, I'm glad you asked me that question. The original Starman was a character who appeared in Adventure Comics. He was first published in, um, in 1941. And the, the thing that I'm especially proud of, is that um, Starman's first appearance was on my birthday. Ooh. Now, this doesn't mean I was born... I, no, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't born in 1941, but my birthday's 5th of March, and the Adventure Comics 61, where Starman first appeared, was published on the 5th of March, 1941. So that's quite nice. That's one of, that's one of my, my slightly tenuous link to that, to that March <laughs> character. So Starman, he was basically... He was created by committee by DC Comics, by the artist Jack Blake and a few, you know, sort of high-ups... DC editors, including you know Murray Boltonoff and Mort Weisinger, and he was sort of essentially created to be the next big thing. Started the original Starman, quite familiar to, to a lot of comics fans. You know, red costume, feather on his head, big yellow star on his chest. He was that very sort of typical sort of golden age superhero. You know, his secret identity was a sort of slightly wimpy sort of you know um, playboy. But Ted's sort of Ted's sort of particular trick was that he was an amateur astronomer. First appeared in Adventure Comics number 61, and he was also a member, an early member of the Justice Society of America. He first appeared in issue 8 of All-Star Comics, where he sort of replaced our man, who hadn't made quite as much of an impact as maybe was hoped at the time. So the original Starman, um, his secret identity was Ted Knight, Playboy astronomer, and Ted appeared with the Justice Society in All-Star Comics all the way up until issue 23, which came out in the tail end of 1945. Now, we don't want to spend you know, too much more time on Ted, but we'll come back to him, rest assured. Sort of as the forties wore on, the novelty of sort of superheroes wore off, and some of the, the main publishers started cutting back. So, Starman's last regular appearance was in issue one hundred and two of Adventure Comics at the tail end of nineteen forty-five, round about the same time that he stopped appearing in All Star Comics as well. And you know, I say by the end of nineteen forty-five, the original Starman was gone. That was it. But Starman, it's it's too good a name to waste. As Peter said, it's it's, it's probably the most legacy-ish character DC have ever done. There have been more. I think attempts either either straight up reboots, if you like that term, or new versions of Starman. I think than any other character. Most of the the flashes have all they've either known each other or you know Wally followed on from Barry quite yeah. naturally because that you know Wally had been Kid Flash and all the Green Lanterns have been proved to be sort of linked and all that. But there have been so many different Starmen. We're going to talk about a few of them as the podcast sort of develops and continues. Today we're going all the way back to initially all the way back to 1957. Yes. And a story that appeared in Detective Comics number 247. And the story's called The Man Who Ended Batman's Career. So yes, Detective Comics number 247 with a cover date of September 1957, first published in July of 1957. And it's quite an interesting cover. It looks, it's like there's a, a roaring fire maybe going on down in the, the bowels of the Batcave. Yep. And anyway, on the cover, Dick is rushing up and he's saying, Batman, what are you doing? Because um, it looks as though Batman is throwing his cowl and keeping cowl into, into this roaring fire. Mm-hmm. And Batman's saying, I'm through, Robin. I can never wear the Batman costume again. The thing I love about the cover is the roaring fire has actually got two Bat logos on it as well. Very, very classic. <laughs> yep, that's right. There's a big log, <laughs> big log on fire that's been kept, being kept in place. So, I mean, 
it's one of these things that, you know, who were the guys that he got into work on the, the Batcave? I always think about this. You know, where did all this stuff come from? I don't know. Anyway. It's all custom. All bespoke. I know. Yeah. So, yes. So. On to the splash page. Batman with Robin the Boy Wonder. What's this? Has the famed crime-fighting combination finally split? Has Batman finally retired? Yes, for the day has come when the fearless lawman must hang up his Batman garb for good. But why? What could have made Batman come to such a grave decision? For the astounding answer, you must first meet the man who ended Batman's career. And I have to say, this is one of this is one of the best splash pages I've ever seen. It's probably important before we go on this version of Starman. The the look and the you know, the costume, the stylings, the equipment, etc., was appropriated and used by James Robinson in his series, his Starman series, which started in 1994, which yeah. is a series that Pete and I are probably going to end up referencing a heck of a lot yeah. as we continue the podcast. It was a series that really drew a lot of things together in the DC universe mm-hmm. in, in such a way as to make it, you know, not in a, in a in things that never felt like it was a crushing little base retcon in the sort of style that another writer who we'll talk about quite often would do sometimes. Yeah, um, James, basically, James Robinson took a really obscure Batman story, took the look and the costume, and created a whole new character. Now, most of the duration of the, the 1994 Starman series, there was a sort of mystery character who was basically known as the Starman of 1951. And what you got sort of drip-fed through the course of the series was that between Ted Knight retiring and, you know, other Starmen sort of taking up the mantle later on, there'd been, for the single solitary year of 1951, there had been another Starman. Yeah. And Robinson retconned it so that this particular Starman used the costume and the outfit and equipment of the Starman we're going to see in this detective comic story. Yes. So while the um, this is a one-off version of Starman, as I say, he was sort of repurposed and used again nearly 40 years later, which is quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, the splash page here, we have a couple of suited and booted and striped and hatted goons so with guns, you know, the guns in their hand. And Robin is leaping down from, it looks like, it's like a bit of a sort of flying saucer in a star shape. Yeah. With a rope ladder hanging from it. And also leaping down is, is Starman. It's a sort of, it's a predominantly yellow costume. Mm-hmm. It's quite similar in the way to Ted Knight's original. Yeah. It's yellow leggings, yellow sort of shirt with a white star, purple shorts and the red boot, red boots, and the reds, cowl and cape. It's not too far from from Ted's costume, and Robin is shouting, let's take them, Starman. And one of the, the baddies is saying, look, it's Robin coming after us with a new partner. And that's the setup. Here we go. Fantastic. On to the story. High over Gotham City, a searchlight illuminates the night sky. And there's a couple of street-level punters, and there's a couple of women, and one of them saying, look, the signal from police headquarters, and their friend is saying, that means they need the help of Batman and Robin to stop a crime. But instead of the familiar bat signal, a strange new emblem beams forth. And essentially, you know, we all we all know how the bat signal would be sort of projected into clouds and into the sky by you know the Gotham PD. But it's a giant star. Uh, it's just red, you know, red background, white star, and one of the voices saying, "Well, what's that?" And then someone else with a very squiggly sort of line is saying, "A star signal of some sort." And in answer to the signal, instead of the bat plane. A flying vehicle shaped like a star shoots across the skies. Now, this, I mean, the, the artwork in the story is beautiful. I yeah. Mean, it has that real sort of 50s Batman quality. Everything is slightly cartoonish, but it's also pin sharp. Mm-hmm. The colouring is beautiful. It's it's gorgeous. So, yeah, against the very sort of dramatic sky, we see the we see the giant metal star, or oh, the star plane, in fact, yeah, sort of scooshing across. Mm-hmm. Soon after, a ladder drops from the remote-controlled star plane, and and we're basically back in the in the splash page, and it's um it's a slightly from a slightly different angle. 
is the, the goons on top of the building and Starman and Robin are descending a rope ladder. We move on to the next panel and it's fisticuffs. Let's take them, Starman, says Robin. And one of the goons is like, Starman, that's enough for me. I'm lambing as he gets as he gets walloped. <laughs> and as the bandits try to escape, Starman's hand dips into a holster pouch. Yes, a holster pouch, yeah. These star darts should stop them easily enough. They look very much like sort of ninja throwing stars. But yeah, sure on page yeah. three, Starman is throwing the stars and a couple of the goons have been pinned up against the wall. And one of the goons is saying, ha, huh, I can't get my sleeve loose. And the other's like, my coat's caught. Later, after dropping the captured bandits at the police station, the star plane flies to its secret hangar, the Star Loft. Oh, this is fantastic, right? It's just, yep, the (laughs) top of a building, and the star plane is landing, and Starman is saying, Robin, we're home, this is brilliant. You know, I'm reading this, and I'm saying, I want a whole series. (laughs) (laughs) I want a whole Starman series, this is great. So yeah, so the, the star plane has come in to land. And we cut to inside the secret lair. Robin removes his mask, revealing the familiar face of young Dick Grayson. So, yep, Robin removes his mask and he says to Starman, Not a bad night's work, eh, Starman? You did as well as Batman ever could. And then Starman removes his cowl to reveal the face of (gasps) Bruce Wayne. I know. Unbelievable. From that panel, it looks like they've got the star plane indoors with them. That's interesting. Inside the yeah, loft, um, yeah. Starman is unmasked and he says, It still seems strange not to be wearing my usual Batman cowl, but it had to be done. And then we move into the next panel and Robin is holding up the cape and cowl. So obviously, um, either maybe Robin rescued it from the fire, IDK. <laughs> so Robin says, I just can't get used to seeing you in this new costume, Bruce. Sigh. If only you could... And Bruce says, no, Dick, my career as Batman is finished. And he continues the next panel. I can never wear the Batman costume again. Why? What could have made Bruce Wayne abandon the action garb that made him the most famous of crime fighters? For the answer, we must go back a few days to a meeting of the underworld in the secret laboratory of a renegade scientist named Professor Milo. And there's another absolutely beautiful panel here. It's, it's clearly the professor and his goons sort of standing in his you know, typical sort of mad scientist laboratory. Now, the equipment and and, all, and stuff all around the walls is sort of highlighted in blue, and the scientist and his goons, there's obviously a, a sort of skylight above them because there's a grid of light sort of playing over them. So they're all highlighted in orange with the yellow sort of um, light, you know, ambient light on the floor and all the equipment around them. There's computer banks. There's a there's a bench with, you know, Bunsen burners and, and beakers on it. And very Frankenstein sort of style coils coming up. Yeah, old, old universal definitely. horror. Uh, and it's looking great. <laughs> so Professor Milo and his goons, they're all deep in conversation. And Professor Milo is saying, Other men have failed at crime because of Batman. But I shall succeed in defeating Batman through a phobia. And one of the goons says, A phobia? What's that, Milo? A phobia is a fear of something. A fear that is paralyzing, will-destroying. A man may have agoraphobia, a fear of crowds. Another may have claustrophobia, a fear of enclosed places. There are many kinds of phobias. For example, Napoleon was deathly afraid of cats. But Batman is afraid of nothing. Therefore, I will give him a fear, an artificial phobia, with this. And it looks like he's holding up a little blue pill or something. And let, let's talk about um, Professor Milo's haircut. Yes, <laughs> it's got the classic, classic bowl cut look. It is sensational. Very Guy Gardner, it's, before Guy Gardner. Yeah, it's funny. It's like Because you can see the stubble on the side of his head. Yeah. I mean, again, 
the artwork in this is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I mean, I'm giving it the cartoony voice because it fits the cartoony look to the character. It's uh, yeah, it's sensational. So yes, moving on. After many years of research, I've developed a substance so precious it can be used only once. A substance that will make Batman helpless to stop our march of crime. Next day, at a charity benefit where Batman was an honoured guest. Yeah, so there's a sort of, as it sounds, charity benefit. Batman's coming out onto a stage. A little chap on the stage who, from, yeah, he looks a little bit like, um, what's the guy from The Big Bang Theory? The main one, not, not Sheldon. Oh, yeah, Leonard. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? He does, actually, yeah. He looks a bit like, <laughs> so, yeah, picture Leonard in a sort of purple double-breasted suit. <laughs> and Leonard is saying... And now our own bat signal announces the appearance of our guest speaker, Batman. And at that moment, inside the projection booth. So it's um it's obviously it's one of Milo's goons. And the goon is saying, All set, boss, nobody knows I took the real projectionist's place. Good. I've already painted the phobia liquid on the spotlight lens. Now focus its rays on Batman. Abruptly the spotlight swiveled down and like a bursting flare, the dazzling bat signal bathes Batman with its glow. It's very sort of what the what the general public probably perceives, you know, bat, all Batman stories to be like, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just why we're giving yeah, it this treatment. <laughs> so we see bats on stage, and basically, yep, he's being blinded by the spotlight. And in the next panel, um, Leonard says, "I'm sorry, Batman." Batman says, "Forget it. Accidents will happen. But I better go home now and rest my eyes. I feel a little dizzy." Yeah, he's been kind of blinded. He does say, oh, my eyes, in the previous panel as well. Uh, so obviously it's had a major effect on him. So, that night, while Batman rested in his other identity as wealthy socialite Bruce Wayne... So yeah, it's Dick and Bruce at home, and Bruce is sat... It looks like he's playing with the radio, and Dick is over at the curtains, and he's looking out, and he can see the bat signal being shot. And he says, the bat signal, Bruce. Are your eyes okay now? And Bruce says, they're fine, Dick. I'll turn on the police radio, and oh, that's what he's doing, and we'll get going. But in the secret Batcave below the Wayne Mansion, as Bruce started to don his Batman garb. So yeah, Bruce has taps off and he's holding up his costume and he's looking at his shirt and he's saying, the bat emblem. Somehow, I can't look at it. And then Robin says, Bruce, why are you ripping the bat emblem off? And Bruce says, I don't know, but I must. I must. And right enough, you know, he's tearing at the, the Batman symbol on his, on his shirt. And when the final panel of page five, they're further down into the back cave. I mean, again, this is gorgeous. Sheldon Moldoff at his absolute best. This really is. It's, 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 this is, I'm genuinely stunned by how good this looks. Yeah, the texture and detail in the cave is just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So, um, Dick's got into the Batmobile. Let's go, Batman. What's the delay? And I can feel myself wanting to do an Adam West performance, <laughs> but I'll, I'll fight it off. The auto shaped like a bat. I, I, and we move on to page six. Robin. Let's go on foot tonight. I mean, since the crime site isn't far from here anyhow. And Robin thinks, what's got into Batman? He's certainly acting funny tonight. Also, um, how near is this crime site? Aren't they like miles outside, you know, Gotham City? Uh, yeah, and they're but, just going to run there, um, you know? It's... But the yeah, but the, t the time they get there and all that, I'm not sure. I, I mean, um, again, they, it's... they haven't actually told us. Yeah, again, it's very much like the sixties TV show. Admittedly, this is before it, uh, and that they would do yeah. they would do a bat run to wherever they had to go. If uh, Dale Boy and Rodney, yeah, quite right. That's one for our international listeners. There, I'm sure you'll get that reference. Yes, shortly at the Gotham Art Museum. Yep, so it's inside the museum, and it's and again, it's gorgeous. We can see some paintings in the walls and some pillars and stuff, and some goons carrying some paintings. And what I'm sure it's Batman and Robin. 
That's our cue to scram as Batman and Robin run in. And Robin points out, they're heading for that back exit door. And Batman with Batarang in hand says, they never get through it. I'll hit the door with my Batarang and slam it shut. But suddenly, as Batman raised the Batarang for the throw... Yep, um, it, Bruce is obviously getting a fright from the Batarang as well, so he's like, oh! Before Batman could recover his poise, the bandits were gone. And we see Robin holding up the Batarang, saying, tough break, here's your... Batman, what's wrong? Bats is sort of, he's, he's trying to cover his eyes. He's like, and he's saying, the Batarang, take it away, please, take it away. We uh, then cut to, and we should point out that all these panels have a nice little sort of ruffled sort of edge to them. They do, so almost, you know, almost dreamlike. Denoting yeah. the flashback. Yeah, it's very cool. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, so, so the final panel, page six, is back at Professor Milo's laboratory. And one of the goons is saying, your phobia trick worked, Milo. Batman dropped the batarang like a hot potato. <laughs> and Milo responds, Yes, I've given him an ironic phobia. I've made Batman afraid of bats. Over the page. The following night, as Batman and Robin again answer the police call. And it's um, it's the same goons again. And the top of the building, and we see Batman and goons are saying, one of them saying, here they come again. And the other's like, what's the rush? we got nothing to worry about. As Batman closed in, one bandit suddenly opened a small box and... So yeah, the good joke's surprise, he's opened a box and out like, looks like a toy bat or a model bat. And yeah. bats are sort of like, a bat, a bat! And he steps backwards towards the edge of the building and he's totally freaking out saying, get away from me, I can't stand it, get away. And Robin's surprised, like, what? And Bats is stepping back and then he goes over the edge of the building. Oh no! Get it away, says, help, I'm slipping. Again, this is... This is phenomenal, this panel. The moon is sort of at the top, and Batman is sort of silhouetted against it, but then he's casting a massive shadow. The shadow mm. of his cape is sprayed out over the building, and it looks phenomenal. Absolutely. So he falls over, Dick shouts to him, but it's too late. Bats has gone over. Robin then thinks to himself, Only one way to catch him, that flagpole! Dick also jumps off the building, because he spotted a flagpole halfway down. I should have mentioned that was in the first panel. We see, so we see Batman falling, and Dick obviously springs to try and get past him. He lands on the flagpole and reaches and catches Batman as Batman falls past. Fantastic. Yes. See, this is, I mean, I, I make a lot of noise about how, you know, Batman bores me to death and I'm, I'm not a Batman fan and I don't collect Batman and all sorts of stuff because my, I also say in the last 30 odd years I've absolutely flogged him to death. But this stuff is phenomenal. Yeah. You know, it's one of these things, I, I don't know much about my Batman, but I know what I like and this <laughs> stuff is just sublime. Later, a disturbed Batman faced the greatest crisis of his career. So they're yeah they're they're back at the Batcave and again Bat this is beautiful Batman and Robin in silhouette with all the you know the cave stuff going on around them and Batman says Robin I must tell you the truth I'm afraid of anything that resembles a bat someone has given me an artificial phobia an artificial phobia but how remember that accident at the charity show it was no accident somehow it made the emblem in the bat signal register on my subconscious mind so that afterward I would be afraid of anything bat shaped. Of course, that's why that crook released a live bat. He knew in advance you'd be frightened. Ah, right, so on top of the rooftop, it was a live bat that was in the box. Okay, ah, okay. right, that's weird. <laughs> okay, and Batman continues, exactly. Somebody, some crime boss, intends to use bat scares against me whenever I try to interfere with his robberies. In the days that followed, Batman's phobia gave him many embarrassing moments. Yeah, so we see Batman in full costume on the street, obviously outside a greengrocer's, and there's a little boy, you know, a little blonde kid in a striped t-shirt, and, he's, and he says to Batman, Hey Batman, like my new bat kite? And Batman says, Oh, get it away from me, get it away! Could that be Kite Man's son? <laughs> 
I've no idea. Kite Man. Kite Man. Never heard of it. Oh, that. Kite Man's awesome. Someone's going to write a story one day that's going to actually use this kid and um, saying that Batman being rude to him scarred him and turned him into a supervillain. It might actually be Kite Man's son because uh, Tom King did a lot with that in the more recent Batman run. Kite Man is an okay. awesome character. That well, he's not an awesome character, but he made him an awesome character. It was a fantastic storyline. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> there we go. Tangent there, folks. Check out Tom King's Batman run. Right, moving on. It grew so acute that Batman actually became afraid of his own shadow. Yeah, in this panel we see Batman going, no, 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 because there's a sort of bright light behind Batman. It's cast a sh- the bat emblem shadow on the wall, and he's freaking right out. Thus, before long, the caped crime buster was forced into a terrible decision. So we see Batman and Robin visiting Commissioner Gordon, and Batman saying, Commissioner Gordon, my Batman queue is finished. Ah, here it comes. From now on, Robin will work with a new partner, Starman, one of the other policemen saying, but why? Within an hour, all over the world, Batman's retirement became the top news. And again, there's another gorgeous panel from Sheldon of, um, I don't know if it's the goons, or maybe it's just some other people. I think it's just some other people yep. standing, and they're in silhouette under a, you know, under a lamppost, and one of them saying, impossible, must be some sort of joke. And a chat with a pipe. <laughs> this is beautiful, this is so nice. He's saying, no. I heard that he cracked up, lost his nerve, and as we move on to page nine... And so it came about that Batman was forced to cloak himself in the new identity of Starman. And that little caption box has a little nice little head and shoulders of the, um, let's just call him the 1951 costume Starman, and it's lovely. But now, after his first successful skirmish with the underworld, he is still a worried man. Ah, right, so that tells us obviously that the, the bit at the start when they were flying down from the start plane onto roof, that was his first time sort of stepping out in that gear. Yes. So um, Bruce and Richard are back at the star loft and Bruce is saying out loud, Starman won't be able to fight crime too long. Sooner or later, the crime boss, whoever he is, will realise I'm just wearing another costume and he'll use bat scales against Starman. And Robin says, golly, isn't there a cure for a phobia? And Bruce is looking very pained. He's sat in a chair with his hand, hand to his forehead in this next panel. And he says, yes, if the patient can be made to realise there's nothing to be afraid of. But that takes time, lots of time. Hmm, that's what I figured, says Robin. And suddenly... Starman is saying, Dick, what's the idea? Why are you strapping me to this chair? And that's what Richard's doing. Sorry, Bruce, but this is for your own good. I'm going to try to cure you of your phobia by showing you some newsreel clips of some of your past cases. So as Bruce is tied to the chair, Dick's wheeling in a sort of projector on top of a little wheeled table. And Starman is saying, you mean I'll have to look at bat shapes? No, Dick, please, don't, please. This is interesting because um, if this was an episode, all of the money that they've they've offset on you know on the new costume and the new star plane and all that <laughs> would be you know would be offset by the um, by the stock footage. <laughs> True, <laughs> they're going yeah. to fill the next minute or two with. <laughs> Though close to tears, the boy purposefully deafens himself to his guardians. Please remember this. Remember how the bat plane saved your life when you jumped to it from a burning skyscraper. And Bruce is saying, no, Dick, please, don't make me look at it anymore. The next panel, the, the sweat is pouring off Bruce's brow and Dick's crying and, and Dick says, Gosh, Bruce, do you think I like hurting you this way? You, my best friend, I want to help you. You've got to look. And that is an amazing panel to take out of context. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to put this um, up in the socials. We have to, yes. Definitely. I, man, I want to put the entire story up in the, sto- in the socials. It's just beautiful. And then Bruce says, all right, Dick, I'll try. <laughs> we move on to page 10. His lips are tight line. Bruce steals himself to watch the next clip. Batman can be seen sort of swinging down on a rope and there's a goon firing his machine. Remember how the Batcape saved your life when you hung it over a stanchion and tricked a killer into firing at it? Right, that's that, obviously. And then in the next panel, it's a sort of cave setting and there's a sort of caveman. We'll leave it to Robin to say what's happening. 
What about the time the bat flashlight threw the caveman off guard, just as he was about to club you? And Batman is thinking to himself, I must watch, I must. Move on to another panel. And yeah, it's like a bridge has come down and the Batmobile is sort of jumping the gap. And remember how the Batmobile speed saved you from the collapsing bridge. Remember, Bruce? And Bruce says, yes, I remember. And then in the final little flashback, sort of um, Batman's funniest home videos, it looks like Bats and someone else and they're standing on top of us as Tech Pyramid looking effort. Pete will probably be able to tell us who the baddie is that he's fighting. Can't quite tell from this, I'll be honest, it's quite small. You see how all these bat-shaped things helped you? There's nothing to be afraid of. How can you be afraid of things that help you? And Bruce is sat there, he's looking very... I mean, it, it looks... I don't know if it's just the way it's been drawn. It looks... Maybe there's a hint of a tear crawling down his face, but he looks yeah. very stoic, very sort of like, very stoic, very... Mm. So we continue. But will Bruce be cured in time? For at this very moment, in Milo's laboratory... Yep, and it's back Milo and his goons, you know, all square jawed and cigarettes and, and bad haircuts, and the professor is saying, You fools! It's obvious Starman is only Batman in another costume. Ah! Try to trick me, will he? Well, I've got a bat scare planned that will finish Batman for good. Over the page... That same night, as bandits make it off with a factory payroll... And it's some goons, and they're doing that, and one of them says, Here comes Starman and Robin, right on schedule. And the other one's saying, Wait till I fit this compressed air cartridge to this balloon. Will Starman get a surprise? An instant later, the disguised Batman recoils in fright, as the balloon swells swiftly into a colossal form. Yeah, and that's basically what happens, and Starman shouts, A giant bat! And one of the goons is like, Ha! That'll scare him right out of his boots! But getting a grip on his screaming nerves, the masked lawman leaps atop the blimp-sized bat and... Give the balloon a hard push, Robin, and hop aboard. So we move on to the next panel, and Robin and Starman are now on top of the balloon, while one of the goons is shouting, Yay, look! He's riding the bat balloon! And another one says, Then Starman can't be Batman! Then the next panel is just sort of fisticuffs as they've jumped off, and Robin is punching one of the goons. The other two are getting away, and Starman says... They won't get far. I'll stop them with a, oh, <laughs> a starorang. Yay! Like a swift falling meteorite, the razor-edged starorang flashes at the floating blimp bats, slashing it. And Starman says, looks like they're going to be trapped in their own trap as the, the balloon starts to deflate and obviously it's going to fall down on top of the two guys. So, we move on to the last page of the story. Soon after, Milo has an uninvited visitor. Starman bursts into the laboratory. Your men talked, Milo. And um, Milo thinks to himself, Starman, ha! I'll soon stop him. Swiftly, the cunning scientist holds up a paper cut out of a bat. Get back, Batman, or Starman, or whatever you want to call yourself. Get back! This is a bat, and you're afraid of bats, aren't you? And, you know, he's holding out the bat, Starman looks at him, and then in the next panel, panel three of page 12, <laughs> it is brilliant. We'll put this on the socials because you, you know, it's the detail on um, Professor Milo's stubble head. Basically, Starman punches through the bat symbol, striking the professor on the jaw. And the next panel, he's taken off the Starman costume and underneath it's Batman. And he says, you still think I'm afraid of bats, Milo? And Milo says, gulp, a, a, a Batman costume under the Starman costume. And so, after turning Milo over to the police... And it's a dissolve back to the Batcave and a nice, beautiful, silhouetted shot of Batman and Robin, and Batman says, Thanks, Robin. I'll always be grateful for what you've done. Gosh, what are friends for, if not to help each other? 
Meanwhile, what has come over Milo as he sits in a jail cell? So we see a couple of policemen having a right laugh at Milo's expense. Professor Milo's in a cell, and there's like, is it, I'm guessing, judging by what happened earlier on, it must be a real bat that's sort of buzzing yeah. around him and annoying him. Yeah. And he's saying he's quite upset. The poor soul. Yeah, a bat. Get it away from me. And one of the policemen who looks an awful lot like a really square jaw, Mickey Dolan, says, "This guy's suddenly afraid of bats. I wonder why." Wah, 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 so obviously, <laughs> obviously, Dick's um Dick's attempt at therapy must have worked then. Yes. That was Correct. a cracker of a story. Absolute cracker. It was. It was. I'm just stunned by the artwork, really. It was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. So Sheldon, oh, an absolute master. Interestingly, that's the last time we'll see that costume until the, the James Robinson, Tony Harris, Andrew Robinson, Starman series of the 90s. We purposed it as an all-new character. Yeah. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit later on. Don't, you know, In case anyone who's listening has never read Starman, we don't want to spoil it at this point. That's true. Do we, do we? No, we're not going to no, spoil it. We'll basically okay. find it, there's, there's, um, they revisit the, the, the character a little bit at various points. One of the final arcs of the James Robinson Starman deals with um, exploring who the, the Starman in 1951 He's a bit of a mystery man throughout and one thing I remember actually from the early noughties on the old DC Comics message boards, there's a lot of speculation as to who the Starman in 1951 would be. I had a, I had a theory myself, which uh, I won't share because I'm not going to say if it was right or wrong, you know. But yeah. it was it was interesting. One of the it was one of the great things I remember towards the end. I was like, who is the Starman in 1951? But it wasn't Bruce Wayne, in case you're wondering. No, definitely not. And this story has actually been reprinted a couple of times as well since. It's quite a popular story. It was in the uh, Batman Black Casebook collection. And uh, it was in one of the Batman annuals as well, I believe. So, yeah. Yeah, it reprinted in the 1963 um, Batman annual number four. And apparently you can also get it in the Batman annuals volume two hardback that came out in 2010. So, yeah, ah, as cool. Pete says, the Batman, the Black Casebook. TPB released in 2009, which I didn't know about. I mean, I bought my copy of Detectives 247 from Daryl Jones. I think think it was around about Christmas 2001 when someone helpfully pointed out somewhere that where this original version of Starman appeared. That again, that must have been on the DC Comics message boards. Excellent. And I tracked one down. So yeah. So that's uh, one legacy Starman. But let's uh, take a look at another one. Right. So that's that for Detective Comics 247. I almost said um, Starman 247. Can you imagine 247 issues of the Starman 1951? That would be amazing. Anyway, you'd, you'd have loved jumping that. Jumping forward now to, I would. It'd be great. And I think the um, I don't think that James Robinson probably would have used them if that had been the case. <laughs> Maybe he may have used, he might have used the next guy. And that's a bit of a that's a, that's a an excellent link for you there. So we're jumping forward to a comic that went on sale on the twenty fifth of October nineteen sixty, cover dated December nineteen sixty. It's Detective Comics issue two hundred and eighty six, and a story entitled "The Doomed Batwoman." Now the cover of this issue it's like a weird sort of arena sort of setup sort of thing going on, and Batman and Robin are sort of standing looking aghast as Batwoman is sort of being struck as Batman says. Great Scott, Starman is escaping, and he's doing Batwoman with that strange glow. And we see a guy in a very, fairly nondescript, sort of very light, sort of blue, sort of grey costume with a purple cape running away. Kathy's sort of standing in the middle, being looks like she's just been blasted by light. Yeah, so this is another Starman, but unlike the last one, this Starman's a baddie. And also, unlike the last one, he's Star-Man. They've hyphenated his yeah. name. There we go. <laughs> That's worth pointing out because all the other ones, it's all, it's all just one as one word. And even I think Starboy in the Legion of Superheroes, who's another character that James Robinson obviously managed to link into mm. the rest of the other Starmen in his excellent series. 
He's he's just sort of one word, isn't he? No, he's two words, but there's no hyphen. Is he? Yeah. Ah, he's two. Right. Okay. Right. Hmm. So that's even better. Variations. Imagine although up, that's what we just talked about. Although while we're talking about him, he obviously was Star Man in the Adult Legion stories. That's right. Yes, yeah. and the Legion superheroes is a set of superheroes a thousand years in the future. They were all teenagers, but then there were these stories called, well, basically projecting further into the future called the Adult Legion, where they were all grown up. But mm. it was all grown up in a retro 60s kind of way, these stories, because that's when they were told. Uh, so, yeah, that's another Starman, but we're not going to talk about him because, you know, there's only so much we can go into. Uh, but, yes, we should yes. plow on um, with the doomed Batwoman. And we are, we will be covering a couple of stories that feature the Legion of Superheroes eventually. Yes. So, you know, if you're a Legion, if you're a Legion fan, stay tuned. So yes, the Doom the Batwoman. Is this the only time that Kathy Kane is going to appear in this podcast? Do you think, Pete? No, no. There's definitely oh, there's definitely at least one more appearance. Definitely. Right, okay. It's not for quite some time, but yeah, there is definitely at least one more appearance. Okay. Cool. Good. We start the story. So the splash page kicks off. He called himself the Star Man, for he wore a glowing star, a star that gave him a mighty power against this strange force. Batman and Robin fought desperately, knowing that on the outcome of their fights depended the life of the doomed Batwoman. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm really hyped now. Yes. The splash page has got a classic. Again, we're doing this very much in the style of the 60s TV show because the splash page is straight out of it. You've got Batman and Robin strapped to a table with a giant press about to come down and crush them. You've got Batwoman in the corner, who obviously wasn't in the TV show, uh, and she's looking all faint. Uh, we've got Star Hyphen Man, who is operating the lever to squish Batman and Robin, saying, Ha ha! With you two out the way, I'll easily get that belt from Batwoman! And then you've got Batman lying there saying, And without that fantastic belt, Batwoman will die. Yeah, that's interesting. It's... I thought it means fantastic, as in the old school... It's really clever and amazing, but it also just sounds like Batman's <laughs> making a, a rather pithy observation on her fashion sense. This is all about fashion this episode. <laughs> so, on to the next page. In the basement of their mansion, socialite Bruce Wayne and his ward Dick Grayson train their bodies to the peak of athletic perfection. Yeah, this is basically Bruce and Dick on their, their flying trapeze, <laughs> with a nice inverted sort of Batman logo silhouette behind them. Yeah, it's fantastic. Right, yeah. Black background, but you've got a big yellow kind of spotlight yeah, uh, bat logo yeah. on them. It looks absolutely amazing. We'll put a picture of that up, I think, because it's just as a panel alone. It's fantastic. Next panel. Later, the need for this training is revealed as they don their familiar garb. You've got Batman and Robin just getting ready, and Robin says, Time for a patrol, eh, Batman? Right, Robin. I hope things are quiet tonight. I've got a date with Kathy Kane later this evening. And just for the record, of course, folks, Kathy Kane is the secret identity of Batwoman. Onto the next panel, and they're dashing off in the Batmobile. But as they cruise the city streets in their famed Batmobile... And as a radio message comes over the, the Batmobile communications device, and a car's trouble reported at Gotham Museum investigate, and Batman says, the museum is right around the corner, let's go. And we cut to inside the museum. Upon bursting into the trouble spots... And Bruce and Dick burst in, and it looks like basically we see the new Starman, and because the costume is terrible, isn't it? And he's, <laughs> we, we see what looks like a sort of sphinx, and there's a model Viking boat, and there's a nice stained glass window, and there's obviously a broken display case. And the Starman is—he's basically he looks like he's sort of taking Hitler to task, frankly. Yeah, the guy has got definitely it's a bit missing. of a Hitler tash. He's not Hitler, uh, yeah, but you know. No, he's not Hitler. We'll stress that. Um, so yeah, this, the new the, the new Starman who we haven't met yet has the he's he's gripping the jacket of the curator and he's saying um, 
You're the curator here. You'd know. Where's the belt that used to be in this case? Tell me. And the curator replies, in Carter's Curio Shop. As Batman and Robin run up, Batman says, What's your interest in the belt, mister? And Starman says, So, Batman and Robin, eh? I'll make certain you don't interfere with the plans of the Starman. Wouldn't it be great if every time he said that, every time he said his name, the guitar part of the intro to the David Bowie song started playing? That'd be phenomenal. That'd be phenomenal. I think maybe it does, <laughs> but obviously good. you can't convey that in a comic. I know. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> we should maybe edit it in now. Every time we say, <laughs> giving you so much work, every time we say Starman, anyway. Well, um, well seen, so you don't do the editing, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then it's straight to fisticuffs as, as Bruce kind of punches Starman and says, Sorry, we've already interfered. Yes. Cracking shot of um, very, a very square-jawed Batman and a very square-jawed, you know, prominently toothed Starman. And, you know, he's just taking it. Oof, oh, yeah, indeed. On to page three. But when the bandit regains his balance... And basically, Starman has, has lifted up a gigantic sort of like statue sort of thing, sort of thing. It's, you know, it's obviously like, you know, some kind of ancient Egyptian sort of relics. And he's holding that up and he's obviously going to throw it at, at Bruce and Dick. And Starman cries, Ha ha, you think your puny fists can stop me? And Batman says, Great Scott, he picked up that giant statuary. Yeah, okay. As if it weighed nothing at all. And then the next panel, Starman throws it at them. And he says, It does weigh nothing to me. Look out, Robin. And only their superbly trained bodies save Batman and Robin from crushing death. And there's a massive, very vibrant, very kinetic panel as the, the statue thing sort of shatters with a giant sort of crash sound effect written in as, as Batman and Robin jump out of the way. Fantastic. Recovering quickly, Batman hurls his bat rope over the bandits. We get a better look at Starman's costume here. There's no star on his chest. It's very, again, it's a very, it's a very light blue shirt and leggings with purple shorts, gloves and a cape. And he wears a sort of helmet. And it really genuinely looks like the, the star logo has just been sort of sellotaped on. Yeah. There's two sort of bands on either side. It looks so, so cheap. But the red star so, is glowing on it, though. You can see it's glowing. It's got, yeah. always got a bit kind of a the glow effect around yeah. it. Bats ropes up Starman, and Starman says, Silly boy, do you really think this could hold me? Seizing the lasso, the Starman whips it about and sends a crime fighter flying. Have a good trip, Batman! Says Starman. <clears throat> yep, and with a great sort of big swish sound effect, the Starman is basically swinging Batman around. If we see a bit more detail of the museum, there's a statue of a knight on horseback, a few more glass display cases, and a few sort of wall hangings and stuff. Very interesting. So, yeah, he's just giving Batman a big swing. Nice. Over the page, twisting his body in midair, Batman avoids certain death. And Batman sort of careers into the knight on horseback statue we've just seen, and he thinks to himself, close call. I was headed right for that spear. But then comes a close-up of Starman, there's a siren sort of sound effect going on behind him, and he looks very concerned, and he thinks to himself, Uh-oh, police sirens. Maybe I'm super strong, but I'm not invulnerable to bullets. Must get away. The belt isn't here anyhow. Interesting. I like, yeah, I like that panel because, you know, you get a much better look at the, as you say, the sort of glowing emblem and the two bits of sellotape that are holding onto his helmet. <laughs> it's quite funny. Um... Right, so we get essentially a slow dissolve to Batman and Robin chatting to a, well, a policeman and presumably the curator. And Robin is saying, Gosh, a crook with super strength. We're up against tough opposition this time. And Batman says, Curator, what about that belt he wanted? And the curator says, This is a photograph of the belt. It was donated to us by Malcolm Fraser, an explorer who found it in Tibet. And he's holding up a picture of a green belt. Yeah, I mean, it 
to us, it doesn't look like the sort of thing you would expect to see in a museum, does it? <laughs> it's just a very nondescript, just looking drawing of a belt. Do you remember? Do you remember snake um, belts? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it looks a bit like a snake belt? The way the clasp sort of so. thing is. Yeah. Batman's response to that is to say, but it's just an ordinary belt. <laughs> you know, there you go. <laughs> Nothing at all unusual about it. And then the curator continues. Exactly. It had no real value, so the museum sold it, along with some other pieces, to the Carter Curio Shop. I told that to the costumed man. And Batman says, then that's where he must have gone. Maybe Robin and I can intercept him there. But at the Curio Shop... Batman learns their strange opponent has already come and gone. Yes, yeah, so we're now inside the curio shop, and it you know it looks like a messy junk shop you might see up the West End. <laughs> yeah, it looks like relics. <laughs> or yes. And Batman and Robin are having a conversation with what looks like Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Pipe smoking Willem Dafoe with glasses on. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So if that's if that's what you if you can picture that you know with like sort of dark brown hair and a blue a sort of brown suit and um so Batman is saying. Well, Willem Dafoe, you say that you sold the belt yesterday to a woman. <laughs> Did she leave a name? And uh, and William Dafoe, <laughs> lookalike man, says... Nope, no name. Can't remember her face either. She was a pretty girl, though. I told the other man the same thing. I can't do a Willem Dafoe impersonation. Willem Dafoe. I think we know where this is going. I think we know who the woman that bought the belt is going to be. So yes. anyway, we move on to, to page five, and Batman and Robin have left the curio shop, which helpfully has the sign curio shop outside and Bats is saying I wonder why the star man wanted that belt so much. If only we knew which woman bought it. Indeed if only you knew Batman that the purchaser by fateful coincidence was none other than Kathy Kane secretly the Batwoman. Good grief. Right so we now dissolve to Kathy Kane at home and oh she's you know, she's in her, in her wardrobe and closet or whatever you want to call it. Cathy is thinking to herself, oh, here's that belt I bought in the curio shop yesterday. I forgot to try it on. So Cathy obviously frequents second-hand shops on her days off and likes buying random sort of just things. She, she probably saw it and thought, oh, that's nice. That'll accessorise beautifully with whatever. So Cathy, um, she takes the belt out of the, the closet and in the next panel, um, she's put it on. And the caption says, But no sooner does she don the simple garment than... And we see Cathy radiating sort of golden energy, wafting off her and she's thinking to herself, my whole body is tingling. Could the belt be the cause of it? So there is obviously some unusual elements or qualities of this belt, and that's probably why Starman's looking for it. Kathy continues to herself, Oh my, it's nearly nine o'clock. I almost feel like calling off my date with Bruce tonight so I can investigate this phenomenon, but he'll be here any minute. You know, it's interesting that Batman and Robin were out doing their crime fighting early on because he's had a date with Cathy later on that night. Because obviously mm. Batman, as we know now, is like the big creature of the night who generally isn't seen in daylight. But this Batman likes to yeah. get his stuff done you know, during the daylight hours so he can enjoy a social evening, as it were. Very, very different. Yes, this comic was published in October, currently of December, so we're into winter. So it's entirely possible darkness falling a little bit earlier because everything <laughs> that's taking place, you know, maybe they, maybe the shop opened late that night till seven p.m. You know that sort of thing. Maybe oh. everyone's crammed in from half past four. <laughs> well, I'm just just a bit of speculation. So anyway, the story progresses and we see we see Kathy and Bruce are out at the club and they're dancing. She's got a nice green dress on. Bruce looks very square jawed, and the caption says, "Later at a supper club." Kathy Kane is unaware that her dancing partner is the man she admires most, Batman. So Kathy and Bruce are dancing, and Kathy says, I must admit, you're a handsome man, Bruce, but good looks aren't enough for me. Batman replies, I know, as you've told me a hundred times, you wish I were more like Batman. 
this is a very sort of golden agey, silver agey thing, isn't it? Yeah. When we have a female protagonist who's in love with the superhero version of the main male protagonist, because it's obviously, you know, Lois and Clark, Hal Jordan, Carol Ferris. So the dancing suddenly stops because Kathy's obviously looking a bit unwell and Bruce says, Kathy, you look faint. What's wrong? And Kathy says, I don't know. I feel so weak. Maybe you better take me home. Bruce does so. And then, afterward, back at the Wayne Mansion. Richard is sat presumably in his bed doing his homework. He's reading something. Maybe it's the latest issue of Action Comics or something. I don't know. And Bruce has taken off his jacket and he's still got his bow tie on. Bow ties are cool. And Bruce is saying, I hope Kathy will be all right. She looks so pale, so fragile. Hmm, I've never heard you talk about any other woman with such concern. I guess Kathy means more to you than you care to admit. Hmm, could be right there, boy wonder. Yes. Next day, as Kathy dons the costume of her own secret identity... And we see Kathy, you know, she's putting on her, her Batwoman costume, which if you're not familiar, it's sort of yellow-black, sort of leotard, or black with yellow highlights, or leotard, the red cape, the black mask. So, the now Batwoman thinks to herself, I'm supposed to appear as Batwoman at the charity circus with Batman. But I'm still too weak to perform my acrobatic stunt. Batwoman crosses to her dresser, picks up that green belt that she'd been looking at earlier on. And she thinks to herself, hmm, when I put on this belt yesterday, I tingled all over and stopped tingling only when I took it off. And it was later, after dancing a lot, that I suddenly felt weak. I'll try it again. Do you know what? I might make a rude suggestion about this belt. The next panel, as Batwoman hooks the belt together, we see Kathy put on. And again, the glow sort of starts up again. And she's thinking to herself, that same tingling sensation again. And I'm suddenly not weak anymore. I'll wear the belt over my costume, and after the performance, I'll really investigate this. So yeah, Malcolm Fraser, who found this belt in Tibet, do you think Tibet was manufacturing sex toys? Well, certainly <laughs> things with uh, amazing abilities. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Giving Kathy a lovely tingle. Anyways. Later, at the special charity circus. And it's inside a big sort of circus tent. We can see a ringmaster. We can see frames with bicycles on them and hoops and the crowd and... TV cameras and spotlights and things. And we see Batwoman being picked out by one spotlight and Batman and Robin being picked out by another one. And Batman saying to Robin, I'm glad to see Kathy is all right again. And further over on the panel, we see the ringmaster. And he says, Ladies and gentlemen, here comes the third crime fighter who is going to perform in our all-star show, Batwoman. This is a very golden age sort of comic cavalcade cover sort of thing isn't it that, yeah you know, as, as you were saying it a minute ago there about batman being the creature of the night but at this mm-hmm. point in in life you know he's still turning up and performing in shows and circuses and Do, stuff. doing it's, the charity it's, events it's, think about the much maligned batman and robin movie from 1997 was it Remember they were at the charity event yeah. there and they you know, bidding on the date. That's the thing. And we whipped out the back credit card. It's very much like that. Yeah. And that's, I like that film. Do you know what? I really did. There's a lot to enjoy with that. If you switch your brain off and just watch it, it's, there's a lot of fun to be had in it. If you take it as any kind of serious Batman movie, you've had it. Just think of it as a 90s... Exactly. If you think of it as a 90s update of the 60s TV show, you have a riot watching it. It's great fun. Anyway, tangent. Absolutely. That, that was, that's pretty much I remember how I felt at the time. I remember at the time enjoying it for those reasons. And also, I remember... Really liking the um the one that Val Kilmer was in, but it was a Batman Forever because to me it had the perfect balance between what they'd done with Tim Burton, everyone's memories of the TV show and the way the comics kind of were at the time. So it's kind of half reading Batman. So it's it's interesting Batman Batman movies. Tune in tune in some other time when we talk about Batman movies in our Batman movies podcast. So <laughs> we move on to page seven. Yes, and Starman is um watching Batwoman on television. Indeed, and as the caption says, but. As TV cameras beam a close-up of Batwoman, Starman's thinking, What? She's got the belt. What a break. The circus is nearby. I can get there fast. 
I love the Starman is sat at home watching the circus charity event on on TV in full costume. Yes, the live circus charity event. Everything's live, and he happens to be literally round the corner from it. Yeah, fantastic. And I again, you can see the the little glow emanating from the, the red star on his helmet and the cell tape going in place. <laughs> so we cut back to the circus with a brilliant meanwhile caption, and Robin and Batwoman and Batman are all there, and Robin exclaims, "Batman, look!" The belt we saw in the photograph. So, Kathy is the girl who bought it, says Batman. We'll talk to her about it later. Right now we are scheduled to do our act. So Batman knows that Kathy Kane is Batwoman, but she doesn't know that Bruce Wayne is Batman, is that right? Yes. That's not very fair. It happens a lot, especially in uh, Silver Age DC Comics. Yeah, uh, you could, I mean, I'm sure other people have waxed lyrical for hours about the, you know, the, the male and female dynamics, you know what I mean? That's terrible. Anyway, so we continue um, as Batman and Robin sort of climb up onto the, the big sort of frame that was in the earlier panel, and the ringmaster is shouting out, Now Batman and Robin will defy death as they ride speeding motorcycles around a looped ramp and hurtle through space to a second ramp. Indeed, and we have another gorgeous larger panel showing the, the inside of the circus tent. It must have taken ages to, to draw those little circles representing the crowd. <laughs> and basically, Batman and Robin are doing a sort of loop-to-loop around a big hoop on the back of motorbikes, and... The motorcycles roar to life, the death-defying ride begins, when suddenly a costumed figure darts forward. And Batman exclaims, it's the Starman! And we see the Starman coming in, and he's picking up another part, it looks like the bat they're actually supposed to land on, and... A couple of people in the crowd, and one of them saying, "Huh, either that character is super strong, or that ramp's made of light balsa wood." And some, the woman standing next to him saying, "It must be a gag, part of the act." But as we move on to page eight, we see as Robin and Batman are still going round the loop, that Starman has thrown down the other part of the frame, and that's the part that they were supposed to land on. And Robin cries, "Without that other ramp, we'll crash because we can't stop her right now." And Starman thinks to himself, Here comes Batwoman, trying to stop me. Ha <laughs> ha, exactly what I want her to do. Because we see Kathy running in past one of the TV cameras and she runs up towards Starman. And Starman thinks to himself, I can sense that the glow of my star has suddenly faded. And my super strength is fading too. It started happening as soon as Batwoman got near me. That's very interesting. It's almost as if the effect of the belt that Batwoman is wearing cancels out the Starman's power. Uh-huh. Interesting. And something equally strange happens to Batwoman. We get a nice close-up of Kathy, and she's with all that glow jaggling and radiating out over, and she thinks to herself, my body glowing, and I'm unable to move. I'm in the grip of some terrible force that's making me vibrate like a tension spring. And then we cut back to, to Batman and Robin, and they're still up on the first part of the ramp. <laughs> so there's obviously a lot of simultaneous action going yeah. on here. In the meantime, as the motorcycles zoom about the looped ramp, Batman snaps a command to Robin, and... That's it, says Batman. We'll shoot off here, and as we flip over to page nine, ah, they come right off the ramp, and there's a big trampoline <laughs> in the middle of the floor, which I don't think was in, oh, it was, yes, it was in the panel at the bottom of page six, so there we go. It's obviously Chekhov's trampoline there, because it's been set up in an earlier page, so anyway, Bruce and Dick come off the ramp on their bikes, and they bounce onto the trampoline, and then off the trampoline, and Robin cries, What a stunt! Bouncing right off the trampoline! And we can keep right on riding at the Starman! And Starman, is, he, he's legging it now by this point. It's worth pointing out that Kathy still has the glow sort of emanating from her. And Starman starts running off and he thinks to himself, Bah, with my super strength gone, I'm no match for them now. I better get out of here. But as the Starman dashes away... Starman basically, at this point now, rushes into a couple of policemen. And he says, I can sense that my star is glowing again and my super strength is returning. 
Rushing through an exit gate, he exerts his astonishing strength to foil pursuits. Yeah, and he's tying the, the bars of this gate sort of into knots to try and stop anyone getting through, and, and he thinks to himself, There, that'll block off everyone. I'll have to get the belt off Batwoman some other time. And on the other side of the gate, we see Batman still on his motorbike with those two police officers that Star, or guards or whoever that Starman has just encountered, and he's saying, It's no use, Robin. We might as well get back to Batwoman and see what's wrong with her. Upon carrying Batwoman into a room... Yeah, they're elsewhere now, and Robin is saying... She's shaking like a leaf in a hurricane. And Batman is trying to calm her down. He's saying that the spell is responsible. Somehow I must get it off her. And we see Cathy looking a bit agitated. So Batman removes the belt, and when he does, Cathy says... Oh, now I feel weak again, as I did last night after dancing with Bruce Wayne. But now the weakness came on quickly, before any tiring exertion, Batman says. It's obvious now... When you were near the Starman, your belt neutralised his super strength, and when that happened, some strange force flowed into you. They're obviously backstage at the circus here because there's a couple of circusy looking props. This is rattling on road to page 10 already. Yes. The conversation continues. Batman says, when you removed the belt, the force flowed out of you, and your strength flowed out with it. Cathy says, then I'll remain weakened and get weaker as time goes by. But what if I put on the belt again? Batman says, big close-up. Heavy square jaw Batman yeah. says, Then the mysterious force will build up in you again, getting more powerful all the time. Eventually, your weakened body will not be able to withstand the stress and strain of that force and, and, Cathy says, And I'll die! Oh, Batman, sob, I'm going to die! Batman says, No, I won't let that happen. We'll talk to Malcolm Fraser, the explorer who found the belt. He may be able to help us. Later in Fraser's home... We see... Cathy's with her hand to her head looking very faint and Batman and Robin and it looks like um, Sergeant Wilson from Dad's Army wearing a pair of glasses and, and things and this is obviously this must be Malcolm Fraser so Malcolm Fraser says A buckle manufacturer named Bryant has a second part in a buckle collection housed in his manufacturing plant obviously this fellow you call Starman must have found the third part So says Batman the belt has three parts, but why should the Starman want this part when it neutralises his power? According to Tibetan legend, when the three parts are fitted together, the entire belt gives the wearer even more amazing powers and immortality too. I never believed that legend, but now... Batman says, so that's what the Starman is after. We'd better get to Brian before he does. It's interesting where this is going. It's, I'm now sort of extrapolating in my head all sorts of interesting ways that, you know, the... The Starman could have been incorporated into the yeah. 1994 Starman continuity, mm. you know. Shortly outside, Bryant's manufacturing plant. So yes, Batman, Robin, and Batwoman, and basically they're leaving. They're leaving Kathy in the in the Batmobile so that the men can go off and fix everything. And Batman says, "You better stay here, Batwoman. I want you to conserve your strength." But as the pair enters, Starman appears just sort of in a door frame, and he punches out Batman and Robin, saying. Haha, sorry, Batman, but I got here ahead of you and heard you and the brat come in. When the crime fighters regain consciousness, they find themselves bound to a great stamping machine. Yeah, so we're basically at where we were in the, the opening splash page. So it's a stamping machine. We can see Batman and Robin sort of tied to this table type effort. And Starman's going into the sort of glass display case and he's saying, I too just found out that Bryant had the belt's buckle. And here it is. Bryant's belt's buckle. Say that five times fast. Right, yeah. so the next panel, Starman says, Now, let's see what happens when I put the star from my headband into the buckle. And we see him doing exactly, yep, yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. And then and the, we move on to the next panel and the caption says, 
Abruptly, the Starman acquires a new power. And we see Starman like just floating off the ground. I'm not sure if he's flying or if he's jumping, but he's just, this is great. And he says to himself, Fantastic! Not only do I have super strength, but I can defy gravity too! <laughs> he comes back down to, to the ground and he says to, to Batman, And now, after I get rid of you two, I'll go after the belt Batwoman has and gain immortality! He's Omega. And then, or Rassilon, and then we see we hear a voice sort of calling from outside. The voice says, wait. And then we see in the next panel, the silhouette of Kathy. She runs into the room and she's saying, spare them and I'll give you the belt. Batman cries, Batwoman, no, don't trust him. He'll take it from you. So Starman then leaps toward Batwoman. And says, Batman's right. With my anti-gravity power, one leap is all that I need to get my hands on that belt. Batwoman says, that's what I figured you'd do. Instantly, Batwoman snaps the belt around herself, so that... So we can see Cathy fastening the belt onto position, and a Starman falls to the ground, and the, the radiation sort of light is coming off her again, and she says... I knew that once he got within range, my belt would neutralise his powers, so he dropped to the floor and knocked himself out. Batman and Robin are obviously still tied to the table. Batman says, but the Starman's only dazed. As long as he's semi-conscious, Batwoman doesn't dare take off the belt. Robin says, Yet, the longer she wears the belt, the more strain there will be on her body, and the closer she'll be to death. So let's take a second here to, to recap this. Yeah, so the star gives him strength, and the, the star with the buckle lets him sort of hop around. And then the belt has this sort of super strength enhancing sort of thing, but it's dangerous for the user, or is it just because it's not being used? It's because yeah, two parts. Yeah, it has to be all complete yeah. for it to, to happen and also gain immortality. Interesting, right? So Kathy is standing over the Starman and can see Starman recovering, and Robin says, "Look, Batman! Now the Starman is crawling to Batwoman. He's trying to get that belt." A Batwoman can't move while she's in the grip of its strange force. And Batman says, Batwoman deliberately risked her own life in order to save ours. We must help her. She helped us. And then there's a really, really dodgy panel of Batman and Robin's legs <laughs> as they're on this table. And they're obviously fidgeting. And Batman is saying, yes, if I can work this boot off before Starman gets too close to Batwoman. So we, we then cut to, you know... Starman and Batwoman getting closer. He's, you know, getting closer to her, but the radiation is still sort of coming off her. And the caption says, Frantically, Batman pushes at his boots. The Starman crawls closer, ever closer. And then, at last, Batman manages to loosen his boots and then kicks hard. So we yeah, Batman's boot flies up and there's an overhead light and it hits it and with a great smash sound effect. And Batman is saying, Now, if I can catch a falling sliver of glass with my feet, and flip it toward my hands. I can cut these ropes quickly. That's 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 enormous skill, really, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it's classic sixty well, sixties uh, TV Batman uh, maneuver. Yeah. And the next caption reads: On, on crawls the grim Starman, but just as he reaches for the belt, Batman has got free and just jumps him from behind. This is as far as you go. Your next stop is the state penitentiary. Moments later, Batman fits the belt parts together and. Yeah, so you see Robin securing Starman's wrist, tying him up in the background, and Kathy's saying, the vibration and mysterious force gone. Now I have the powers and the immortality that the Starman saw. Batman says, only while you wear the belt. Once you remove it, you'll be yourself again. And in the final panel of the story, Kathy is holding up the belt and she says, then that's just what I'll do. It's far too dangerous for a mortal to possess. We must destroy this belt. Batman says, yes, Batwoman, and with it, 
We'll destroy the motive that can drive people like the Starman to crime. The end. Well then, a so... Really interesting story. This is the one and only appearance of the Starman. Uh, we never see him without his mask on. We never don't know what his name is. We don't know anything about his origin. We know absolutely nothing about this character. Mm. It's a bit of a blank slate. And, you know, as, as I might have said already, I had no idea that this version of Starman existed up until very recently. You know, Peter and I were doing our, our researches and we were discussing doing the Detective Comics 247 story. And Pete said, well, there's also there's this other Starman in Detective 286. And, you know, I can imagine James Robinson getting three or four issues out of this. Definitely, you know, Jack yeah. Goes mm-hmm. to, Jack goes to Tibet for some reason, or Jack learns about the belt. The belt wasn't destroyed and has to go to Tibet. And he, Jack Knight, of course, being the star man of the, James Robinson, who's the hero of the, the 1994 series, which we will keep mentioning occasionally. Jack would have maybe gone to Tibet, discovered that the belt operated or was powered by a similar source to power the gravity rod, all that sort of stuff. That you know, Doesn't that seem like an obvious sort of thing? I wonder if James Robinson knew about this story. I don't think he did, or else I think he would have used it, because he referenced so much other stuff. It's really weird if he just missed this one out. So I think maybe because mm. it is a one-off character that no one really knows about, unless, you know, you're us, uh, then, you know, it's really kind of weird. Especially when he did the 1957 story from 247, uh, when he used that character yeah. and then, you know, revamped him as the Starman in 1951. It's so weird yeah, that he did that the, and didn't use this. And the, the 1951 Starman is absolutely seeded, you know, all the way through the, the Robinson run. And it's interesting because, as you say, that we don't see this version of Starman without his mask. We have no mm-hmm. indication of who he is or what his motivation is or how he learned about the belt. It's obvious that he called himself Starman because he had the star element of the belt. And that's what, you know, gave him the idea. So should there maybe have two or three panels that flash back to, you know, so there's, yeah, there's definite potential there. Uh-huh. The, um, the interesting thing about the belt is it reminded me completely of the cosmic converter belt that the original Starman exactly. ma- made for the Star Spangled Kids uh, back in the in the Bronze Age. Well, we're forward in the Bronze Age from this point. But mm. it, it's very reminiscent of that. Admittedly, it's slightly different powers, but the same idea of, you know, the star-based character getting powers from a belt. I think it's just a coincidence, to be honest. I don't think there's any connection yeah. there. But it's just a really interesting take. Yeah, I mean, it, so. we'll get to the issues of all Star Comics when Starman and Star Spangled you know, when the, the belt gets produced. We'll get to those eventually. Um, but it's, it's interesting. I wonder if whoever wrote that issue of all Star Comics had this issue of Detective Comics in mind or was maybe influenced by it. We'll never know. Was it Jerry Conway? Someone? I'm not sure. I don't he, know. he did a lot of them then. Was... I don't know. But yeah, he did a lot of them then. It might have been him. But it's, it's interesting. There's a definite similarity, you know, power from the belt and all. It's very interesting. Yes. So yeah, that's a couple of other DC starmen that have no real. Well, one of them was a bit. It was subsequently given a connection to the mainstream continuity. So, um, another thing that um that sort of emerged in our researches is that um there's there was actually there was another starman altogether, wasn't there, Pete? There was indeed. Yes, a bit more recent than that. This starman was created in 1982. 1982. Right. What were the circumstances of the creation of this other Starman, Peter? Well, this was uh, a 10-year-old who created Starman as a villain who could defeat the Fantastic Four. Uh, Yet it was me, folks. I I entered a competition (laughs) 
in the British reprint Fantastic Four comic, which uh, I used to get all the time when I was a boy because, you know, you couldn't get main DC comics, you couldn't get the American comics, you just mostly got British reprints. And there was a competition to create a villain who could defeat the Fantastic Four. And I created what I thought was a completely original character name, Starman, because at this point I had not come across that character in any of my comic reading. And I thought, that's a cool name. He was a supervillain who, funnily enough, got his powers from the stars. He basically worked on solar energy. And he had the ability to adapt any power or, like, create any kind of equipment, like Iron Man's repulsor race. He could, like, make that manifest on him. He could uh, generate a fake equivalent of Thor's hammer. I thought it was being incredibly well, original. He does sound absolutely undefeatable. I mean, do you, um, can you remember, I take it, did you, did you have to draw the character for the competition? Yes. Fortunately, that drawing was sent in and they never printed it. I did win the competition, though. There were 100 winners. And we'll actually put a, right. a print of the winning page just to prove that I'm not talking nonsense. Yeah, uh, I'll put that yeah, up definitely. on our social media. Uh, but yeah, so I thought it was being dead original creating Starman, and no, it's just one of many, many, many people using that name. Oh well. Can you can you remember what your drawing of your Starman looked like? Would you be able to recreate it roughly? God, bah. come on, you must you must be able to, you know. Uh, okay, do you want me to draw one and we'll put it in the social media? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> recreated from memory. <coughs> Why not? <laughs> All right, okay. Challenge yeah, accepted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, just from from the best you can remember. But there's also there's also another story that you have that ties into this, doesn't there? Yeah, there is. So, um, <laughs> uh, as I you love this, folks. <laughs> this is the most Peter Watson story ever. As I said, there were a hundred winners, and all the names and uh, like towns and places they came from were printed in a particular issue of the Fantastic Four. I actually rediscovered this issue uh, when I was clearing out back in the mid-90s. And at the time, I worked in a bank in Dalmuir, just outside Clybank, outside Glasgow. And, and I had noticed that one of the characters was created by someone who lived in Dalmuir. And pretty much a couple of days after I'd dug out this issue and, and reread it, this woman came into the bank. I had never seen her before, that's fine. She came up to the counter and she handed over her card, as you do. I looked down at the card, naming the card said, Yvonne Robb. I looked at her, I looked down at the card again, and I said, Are you the Yvonne Robb that created Mystica as a supervillain to defeat the Fantastic Four? And she kind of looked at me, and there was a big, big long pause, and she said, uh, Yeah, I think so. And I said, Oh, I'm Peter Watson, I created Starman. And she, Amazing. and she went, all right, okay, can I have £10, please? Amazing. And you've been married now for how long? <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Yvonne, um, Yvonne, if you're listening, um, <laughs> so, yes, sorry for bringing up that story. Uh, yeah, I never saw her again, folks. No. Uh, um, Yvonne, actually, she cancelled her account and moved moved her <laughs> banking needs to another institution, probably. Um, I had... You know, that's a that's a brilliant. I remember it reminds me of the time. It was completely, completely unrelated. You know, but I remember very soon when I started after um after I started in HMB, I served a customer and the the the, the initial on his card was J and his surname was Garrick. Oh, excellent! And I was like, oh, so cool. But that's brilliant. I love that level of coincidence. That moments, that literally a day <laughs> after you'd you'd yeah you'd read down the list and mm-hmm. going, all right, it's okay, so it's because. Because Pete's going to put the, the, the full list on our socials, and you get to see there's quite a lot of people from around the Glasgow area. Yeah, uh-huh. 
quite a lot of Clyde Bank, there's Stalmuir, there's yeah. Glasgow, there's, yeah, all sorts of places. That's quite fun. I love that. Yeah, exciting. So I, absolutely. So, so there we are. So that kind of wraps up a discussion of Starman, the Silver yeah. Age Starmen. So mm. but we'd love to hear what you thought about these stories and indeed about my um, weird approach to like talking to people. So please get, <laughs> get in touch with us. You can email us at the earth2podcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the earth2podcast. It's the number two for all our social media as well, folks. And on Twitter, you can get us at podcast underscore earth2. And don't forget, if you've enjoyed our show, then please subscribe to us so you won't miss future episodes. We are pretty much everywhere now. We're in Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, even YouTube. Give us a rating, uh, follow us, subscribe, so you don't miss any of these future, possibly stalkerish sounding uh, shows. Awesome. And um, yeah, please give us any feedback you have. You know, if you have a favourite Starman out of all of them, let us know. Thanks for joining us on our journey, and we'll talk to you next time on the Earth, Earth 2 Podcast. Podcast. Transmatter cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. <laughs>